Hey, how's it going? It's Tim Brown, and this is the Hook Better Leads podcast. And I'm talking to Adam Sand from Roofing Business Partner today. How you doing, Adam? I'm doing awesome. I'm glad to be here. I've listened to a few episodes of the show. You guys put out good content, so I'm excited to be a part of it. Awesome. Thank you. And we're talking about, do I really need a CRM and when to switch? Mm-hmm. So we see people in the roofing Facebook groups all the time. They're talking about, hey, tell me real quick what the best CRM is. Hey, yeah, we need to know more than that. We need to know more than just, you know, hey, this question of I'm a roofing company and I need a CRM. The top ones that I see the most are Job Nimbus, AccuLinks, RoofLink, and Adam's out here pushing that HubSpot life. So I want to hear a little bit quick if Adam's cool with kind of explaining why he loves HubSpot for what he's doing. Yeah, uh, the biggest thing is that I believe that user friendliness and um, a single source of truth for your entire revenue operation is more important than something that's niche specific. Mm. I love it. So if I had to make you choose one of the niche specific ones, though, which one would you choose? Uh, you know what? My number one source of customers is AccuLinks. So I will say AccuLinks because yeah. they're probably the... Hey, there you go. <laughs> okay, I dig it. And what do you think AccuLinks um, has that some of the other ones, if you had to answer this question, what would you say AccuLinks has that some of the other ones might not? Uh, well, I think that they box people into the software really well because they try and create a good all-in-one tool. And yep. that's good for that's good for a lot of contractors. They get shiny, shiny ball syndrome, want to chase little shiny balls every time they flash across the screen. Um, but I also, you know, believe that or I I mean it, my number one source of clients is Acculink. So it's good for me that they box them in because then eventually we've got to get them out. So but they do provide, I believe, a better <laughs> all-in-one solution i think that they yeah. thought through it they've got more time in they had a lot of technical debt like three four years ago uh the, the software was just basically like duct taped on duct taped on duct taped on and i think they kind of went down to the frame about a couple of years ago and mm-hmm. kind of rebuilt it and I, I see that now job nimbus job progress has got a lot of technical debt rooflink is very new um, and they're still figuring out how to properly separate the different objects in their systems, like context deals, stuff like that. Um, so, you know, just from a, if you're looking to get into something and you're going to want to go with one of the niche specific ones, I would say that's probably your best choice. So who doesn't need a CRM, Adam? We were talking about, let's say you've got what, like what amount of leads may not necessitate a CRM or where, where is the point where you do need one? Well, when, when you, I mean, it's all about measuring and testing your customer experience. So when you don't know what's going on anymore, then you need a CRM, but Mm -hmm. most contractors could know more about what's going on with their business with three sheets of paper. I start a roofing company on three sheets of paper. I've helped I actually had a podcast episode that's years old where I told roofers that the best first CRM is three sheets of paper, right? And it's just clearly mapping out customers or sorry, leads who have waiting for an estimate and people who've got an estimate and need follow-up and then people who have said yes and are waiting install. And that's Mm -hmm. just three leads. And then you can put a little 
D for, you know, material delivered. You can put uh, Q for given a quote, you know, quote given, and you can run, you can run a million or two on that and a couple of post-it notes. And I remember when we had started roofing and I was first kind of helping Joe get set up with it, we were driving down the road and watched our CRM fly out the window. So maybe that's when you need a CRM, when you're worried about your CRM flying out the window of your truck as you're driving down the highway. <laughs> but I mean, the point is, is that when you are no longer delivering on a service level agreement that you decide that you're how you're going to run your company and you can no longer deliver on it, then that's when you need a CRM because the customer is getting only more needy and only getting higher expectations of the places they, that they do business with. And when you're in a business where you're selling the same product, right? Installed pretty much the same way. And in many cases installed by the same people as your competitors would be using. You really only have three yeah. levers on your business, value, price, and cost of goods sold. You have to make value exceed price. The measure by which value exceeds price is what creates your customer surplus. And the only place to create value is in your experience because you're installing the same product the same way by the same people. Mm -hmm. So that's that's okay. really my best way to try and give people understanding yeah. when these when they're no longer delivering on the service that they have set yeah. out for themselves to deliver. So let's swing kind of over to the other audience, a little bit more sophisticated individual who's been on a CRM for a while. When when should you hire a chief of automation? When should you get some automation guru guy? in the company i mean like when is it time to like because there's companies that probably should start to get an automation type of person in the company when is that appropriate i mean the answer really is the same it's when you stop delivering on the experience that you planned out for your customers mm -hmm. so because you have to reckon like you have to recognize this universal truth in revenue operations which is that adoption matters more than process and process matters more than the tool and so the tool would include automations but the process is more important than the tool so if you mm. commit to drawing out your process and you've decided that this is a service level agreement that we're going to have. So I, I'll give you a good example. So there is an automated task, right? And people, automation guys, like the rookies love creating tasks. Oh yeah, when you get to this stage or when this happens, it creates a task, right? And again, adoption matters more than the process. You have to have a good way to actually keep people in task-based behavior which is proactive behavior as opposed to living in their emails which is reactive you have to get people to adopt task-based behavior so that they can follow the process in the tool but here's a great example which is that this client that i was working with had a process which in the tool whenever a job went to sold right and they were now moving into execution, which is where they do homeowners association, figure when they can get the solar panels off, figure out when the material can get, you know, delivered, like when, you know, like making sure they know the earliest possible install date for the production team. In that execution phase, um, they would, the sales guy would get a task to call the customer and let them know that, hey, you know, we, we've got your job, I've completed your job files, passed off to production, you're going to be getting an email from a person named this, and they're going to reach out to you. And that phone call would turn into basically them now trying to answer all the questions that this person should be asking of production. And production at the same deal stage would automate an email going to the customer. Now, the problem was, is that that phone call would end up kind of um, souring the handoff to production. And so what we said was, okay, well, we want to create a ringless voicemail automation, right? 
And so the problem there is, is not every single customer on every single deal is always the main point of contact. You might have an insurance adjuster, you might have a property manager. So then the messaging is very different. So you have to be very scared of automation because then your ringless voicemails could be going to the wrong person. And so we had to build out something quite complicated, but again, it was because they knew, they realized that by creating this ringless voicemail process, and if we could do it right, and that's a whole other, that's a long conversation, but by doing it right, they reduced the amount of time that the salespeople would end up getting involved in production-related questions because the ringless voicemail was mm. just saying the same thing, which is, hey, I've got your job files handed into production. You're going to be getting an email from someone, so make sure you read that and speak with the production team about your questions. So, the, so we eliminated the task, first of all, so that was now less tasks showing up in their list of tasks in their CRM, but we also made it so that the production team would get a chance to actually build that relationship with the customer while still making sure the customer got that like handoff from the sales guy. And so mm -hmm. in this case, right, you have, you, you had to get a bunch of people to adopt the idea, right? And then you had to get them to be able to follow the process. And then only then would the tool and the automation work. So yeah, it, it's like, when you, when do you hire an automation guy? Well, it's when your current process, right? Is not being followed, right? Or don't, you don't have adoption. And it's because there's not enough time because you automate what you can and manage what you can't, right? So you really only want to look at hiring an automation guy or some kind of person that can do that stuff when you can no longer, when, when, when this is something that could be automated and it will help you continue to deliver on your service level of agreement that you've set out to actually achieve to try and create a value differential between your price and what you're actually delivering for your customer. Mm -hmm. The only way you get there is by constantly, is by doing weekly meetings, managing everything from inside, like you're saying, like a higher level person, right? This is when you're using weekly meetings to manage your company from one dashboard. So you measure everything from marketing to customer service satisfaction. Um, so you can actually get a clear picture as to where your, your service level agreements are being broken, but you have to measure that on a weekly level to know even what to try to automate. I dig it. So I'm going to get into a little bit of the weeds with you on stuff that I've seen um, from you. And I'm curious, I'm just curious. Um, it's, it seemed like you have a trigger um, in HubSpot related to sumo quote, and you guys are creating sumo quotes kind of automatically. Is that what I'm seeing? What is, can you explain that? I feel like you've posted about it a few times, but I didn't fully understand from the post. So I'm just kind of trying to understand what's cool about this. Why should a roofing company get excited about something like that? Uh, well, I mean, there's, a, uh, there's a lot, I don't know exactly which post you're speaking about. Um, but yeah. we've done, uh, we've done a lot of stuff. So we've made it so that yes, you can create a single quote from right within HubSpot. It makes it a lot. We have created something. I mean, I'm trying to, there's a lot of stuff, but, um, essentially we're trying to make it faster to get a much better quote out. A lot of people are. So some people know so, some people know what some sumo quote is but i'll just give the basic overview if you're watching this and you don't it creates better visual looking um quotes for people and it's got a mixture of data and the numbers and it's also you can put like uh marketing pages in the quotes too so it looks good and you got like testimonials and stuff like that so you're able to roll out these these quotes somewhat quickly in sumo quote but if you're able to do it in your crm that's that's cool yeah the whole idea is that you know when you're when you're a leader of a company and you're trying to get salespeople to adopt right your process right you're you get these complications where they've got 
too many windows open, too many apps open, right? And then mm-hmm. the company is living within 45 SaaS tools, right? Because they've got QuickBooks, QuickBooks Time, QuickBooks Payroll, T-Sheets, you know, uh, things for downloading receipts. And then they've got accounts payable systems and accounts receivable systems. And that's just accounting, you know what I mean? And then we get all the way back to marketing automation, which you know all about. I mean, you've probably got 10 that you're using yourself, right? And so... Mm-hmm. All these tools are then got all this siloed data everywhere. And the same exists for when you're working with SumoQuote, which is that, you know, what is happening over in SumoQuote isn't necessarily causing anything to be happening inside your CRM besides job one, right? And is it providing any, any valuable feedback? Again, when you're talking about man- managing that service level agreement, is it providing any meaningful feedback to operations, to production, to accounting, to marketing, right? Um, not just sales is the job won or lost, right? But how is this affecting our marketing? So we've just used the API of SumoQuote and our relationship with them as their only certified implementation partner to make SumoQuote better through gently nudging them in the direction of things that we think would be good. And then they have an extremely smart team there that when gently nudged with a good idea, they take the ball and ram it through the floor. Like, I mean, they go crazy with it. So they actually get stuff done. And we've managed to make some really cool things that will, that have, you know, that, I mean, they're just translating into higher closing ratios, better penetration on upgrades, faster deployment of quotes, you know, more informative quotes, you know, better, better psychological hooks in the sales experience due to the constant feedback loop from production back to the lead generation. So, you know, customers are coming in better marketed to better understanding of what they're going to be getting from the experience. You know, and then we design the sales experience. We design the sales experience and the service level agreements of the company around the feedback that we're getting from the data. I love it. So when you, so you know, you've been involved with many roofing companies, seen the processes, um, and you've seen how those filter into the CRM and filter into automation and different things. I'm curious, like when you go in, what are some of those like easy wins that you see in the CRM or in the processes that you, that you like to do every time? Like for those maybe people that are kind of in the middle. So we talked to Mm -hmm. the, the early guy who doesn't know if he needs a CRM yet. We talked to the later person who's on the verge of getting a, I know that there's not that many of you yet to get the, the automation guy, but I think Adam, I think Adam is a harbinger. He's a he's a a sign of things to come for the roofing industry, and that you will. There will be a, a bunch of you out there that have an automation specialist on your team in ten year, five, ten years, or whatever. So, the middle guy, the middle. What are these things that people are missing in the C- CRMs that you often like, kind of blow their mind with when you get to come in and and uh, look at their CRM? Well. So one of the biggest things is understanding is they don't understand a CRM and they don't understand how they're, they don't understand the, the objects, right? Or the entities that exist in their process, right? So one of the biggest mind, I guess, one of the biggest um, mind shift, mind, mind, one of the mindset shifts that we try and create for people is understanding the entities that exist. So you have all these CRMs um work different ways so how do we make something that people can make sense of so you have contacts and contacts are not deals right and buildings are not contacts and buildings are not deals and deals are not jobs and jobs are not contacts right and so what people have to realize is that when you're talking about 
how does your stuff connect to QuickBooks? How does your stuff connect to Company Cam? How does your how do you start automating things so it makes sense? So a good example is every time a deal is created, create a new Company Cam. Very common, a very very common automation, right? But if every time a deal is created, create a new Company Cam, what happens when you get an insurance inspection? Like you like someone you know you knock a door and you go up and check the insurance, you check the house, and you see that there is. Um, you see there's damage, but the customer doesn't want to wish to proceed. So now you've created a contact in your system at 43 Brown Street. You created a new company camp, 43 Brown Street. and But there was no damage, or the customer didn't want to do anything, so there was no deal created, right? Now, a uh, customer calls you back, or a customer calls you eight months later, right? And they live at 43 Brown Street. They phone in, so now you create a contact, create a new deal, create a new company camp. You now have two company camp profiles existing in the same in, in, in your company camp account for the same building, right? But a building is not a contact, a contact, because a, a contact can own a building, a contact can sell a building, a building, a, a company cam represents a building. It doesn't represent a deal, it doesn't represent a contact, it represents a building. And in QuickBooks, QuickBooks is what, all about revenue recognition, right? When you're looking at like accounting, double entry accounting, revenue recognition, right? You, you have to understand that, that a job is not revenue recognition. A deal is revenue recognition because it, you you account for the revenue when it's earned, not when you collect the money. So you have to know how to sell. So when we teach people how to understand what these things are, then we say, okay, we're only going to create one company cam for any building. So we're not going to filter by when a new deal is created, but when a deal is created without a known address. So we add filters and we add layers of complexity to make sure to keep things organized. And a good example to understand how what this is worth is that one of my clients was able to go to a local, like a, uh, go to an insurance company, right? It was a regional insurance company. And they, and this isn't like, hey, I'll sign up for your managed repair program. That's your template of what a managed repair program looks like. It's like, hey, you have customers who get insurance claims. We handle the, we handle doing that work. We need to partner up. And they said, here's how we're going to make it so you're going to pay us what we're worth. We only create a company cam anytime a building is created. Therefore, we have meticulous records of every building that happens. You have a problem with homeowners trying to make a second claim when they've already been paid out for the first time that the shingles blew off, and then they get the $2,000 cash payout, but they don't actually replace the shingles. They just they just claim they did, and then now when the shingles blow off again, they try and file the claim again. We're going to keep meticulous records of every single house that ever files a claim with you, and that way we're going to know exactly whether or not these shingles were damaged once or twice, and so you're not ever going to pay out a claim twice for the same space. And now all of a sudden, the insurance company's like, holy crap, you're right. And so because they had the power of the collected data, they were now able to negotiate at the, at the table with an insurance company from a position of strength because they could provide more value than the price that they were charging the insurance company. So then they got a fair rate for doing inspections, a fair rate for doing temp covers, a fair rate for doing repairs and section replacements and roof replacements. And they were able to establish a clear service level agreement. It was all because they could clearly identify what that service level agreement could be. And they could realistically kind of project into the insurance company's eyes how that would be able to be tracked and measured so that the insurance company, they weren't going to get ripped off by a roofer just trying to, you know, turn every roof into a replacement. But then at the same time, they were going to make sure the homeowners couldn't be ripping off the insurance companies. And so they kept, they made it so that we will collect the data, make sure that everybody here stays fair. And so if you can help, if, if, if roofing companies could look and understand that a deal is not a contact, a contact is not a building, a deal is not a job, a job is not um, a job is not a contact. If they can understand the different objects that exist, then all of a sudden trying to create clean data in your system becomes a lot easier. 
I like it. Um, so if somebody wanted to work with you on their CRM and, and kind of see what else, what other efficiencies might be available, improve their process, improve their bottom line, what, uh, what do you guys have available for somebody if just curious? Well, um, I mean, really, you have to kind of like look at your businesses like anything else. If you, I mean, you want to see if your business is going to survive real challenges. You have to be able to do a health checkup, just like if you're going to look at your body and wonder if it's going to do a health checkup. And in, in order to do that, there's pretty simple levers that you need to measure. Um, and so what we take people through is like a CRM audit, right? A process audit. And we have like this 162 point checklist. We create this like fake scenario where a homeowner named Adam Sand and a property manager named Tony Stark, you know, are both involved in a deal and they get a roof and they have a color change halfway through and they have to deal with site support and getting people out there. Cause I don't just look at it as just a CRM. Roofers use the word CRM pretty loosely. Um, I have to kind of, I had kind of have to appeal to that lowest common denominator, but we do more than like just CRM. We're like more like managing the revenue operation of the company, but just mm. for some of the tech nerds that are going to come out there and say, he's talking about more than CRM, right? Um, you know, we, we look at, okay. We don't have too many tech nerds on our, our podcast. I'll just throw that out here. You, well, you never know. It's mostly contractors. And then, yeah. If you, if you get HubSpot and you start learning how to build your audience, then you know, you'll eventually have thousands of viewers and they'll come back and they'll listen to this episode three years from now. And then you will have tech nerds listening to this thing. But <laughs> that's my little day. But anyway, so when you- Hey, get- we hey we got a million people on our website every year. I'll throw that out there. Perfect. Send it's just, use a good yeah, YouTube isn't, YouTube isn't my thing yet, but eventually I'll learn from Dimitri and I'll, I'll get it going. But at the, at present, what we do, just kind of like a note on that is we break this down five times. And then those little clips and stuff like that, we get a lot of views on that kind of stuff. That so that's kind of the way I think textbook, of it. Textbook, Gary V, 82-page slide deck about yeah. creating micro content from content is like, yeah. that's a... Exactly. And, and, just, and just relationships. It's relationships for me. So like I get to get mentored a little bit by the smartest people in the industry, which is the best part about a podcast, me. in my opinion. And, and why I encourage you to continue yours. So with um so what so what we do is we kind of take people through this 162 yeah. point checklist. It's like a full it's like yeah. a full role play from start to finish. We time it, and then we provide people with this. They get a total of like up to 300 points, and then we give this like PDF that just kind of says this is where you, these were your times to these key milestones. This is like kind of whether this is how we grade it, and then here's some suggested improvements. Um, it's basically it's just a health checkup on your process and just really getting a clear understanding of where your bottlenecks are because you'd be amazed at how many people they get the minute you add a couple of variables like oh so I want to change my color after the second follow up or oh we have to there's there's bad fascia and plywood found on the job site um, so keep in touch with Tony Stark my property manager but I need the billing right and keeping track of the billing address and the site address. You'd be amazed at how easy it is to break most people's processes and CRMs with these very simple, highly common circumstances. Mm-hmm. And so we kind mm-hmm. of, we, then we, and then we, and then we also add in a change order or sorry, not a change order, a callback at the end to see, okay, how do you track callback? Callbacks are tracked as deals. And, you know, again, it's very easy to break people's CRMs and to show them, you know, where they can make some pretty big improvements. And I mean, that's, I mean, that, that to me is just the best value that we can give people is just trying to help them understand their CRM a little bit better before, before we even talk about trying to sell them stuff. I, we, 
I mean, yeah. it's it's terrible to try and sell something to somebody who doesn't even understand the value of what you're doing. Mm. I love it. And the first bit is showing them the problem and zooming in on it. I, I dig it. So check out the CRM audit from Adam Sand. Adam, where else, where can people find us online? Well, usually in all the Facebook groups, every time they ask, what's the best CRM for your roofing business? Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they can go to roofingbusinesspartner.com. They can find me on Facebook, Adam Sand. I'm, if I'm hard to find, I'm not doing a good job of my marketing. So you look if you look around for Adam Sand, you'll find me. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me. And thank you everyone for watching or listening to the podcast. It's Hook Better Leads, put on by hookagency.com, hookagency all over social. Thank you. Yeah, thank you.